So here's the thing. You know, Christmas is a time when, I mean, I think there's, there's an unusual amount of hugging that goes on during Christmas time. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I think it's people, most, for the most part, people are feeling pretty good, glad tidings, you know, good news, jolly, everything is pretty, people are hugging and blessing and more than normal. At least, at least that's the case for myself. And last week, um, I was with my youngest son. We had left really early in the morning. I was going to have a meeting in the mission uh, at a coffee house in the mission that I go to a lot. And I was going to meet a couple of, uh, I'll call them brothers. There were men that I was meeting. And uh, I was going to check in. We were checking in together on something. And Jake's my youngest son, uh, the third of our four children. He, he said, hey, can I catch a ride with you? And so he was going to go. He went there with me. We were both talking just about life. We were driving to the coffee house, and, and then when we get there, um, you know, we were, we were both, again, just kind of happy together, being together, and we walked in, and I'm always, you know, I always get happier whenever I'm around coffee in some way, shape, or form. I notice that there's a, some, I do, especially, and so I, I walk into the coffee house, and I can smell it, and it's early, but there's a lot of seats that are open, and I, I, I see stuff on the wall when I'm walking in, and then I walk towards the counter, and I'm just kind of giving you a picture of this, and I walk to the counter, and we order, and then I'm walking past the, 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 the espresso uh, machines that are there, and and then I'm moving towards the seating where we're heading down. And, as, and Jake's kind of with me. And as we're walking towards the back of the, of the house, we, we, I, see, I see a guy who's uh, Caleb's roommate, Aaron. Now, Aaron, Aaron serves in our lighting ministry. And uh, I've, off, I've seen Aaron a couple times before. He also lives in the neighborhood. And he's a roommate of my, again, I mentioned, my oldest son. And so I, I, he also works for a company here in the city. I'm not allowed to say the name of it. Um, it rhymes with Snapple. I just all I'm gonna say, um, but you know, thing about it is, he 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 was there, and he was it was early, and he was working. My the the guy that I was going to meet was in the back, but Aaron was there working feverishly, had his head down. You know, I couldn't see him, but I could recognize him. Just just you know, I'm used to used to him. And so as as we're walking by, Jake and I, I said, Jake, there's Aaron. You know, Jake goes, oh, that's so yeah. So we both very happily walk up to walk over to the table. Jake starts talking to him. I didn't really even stop to, to talk to Aaron. I just said, Aaron, right? And I, I just went from behind and I just, oh, hugged him. Aaron, great to see you, Aaron, right? And I just hugged him, you know, and then I said, you know, I did my little, my little bang on the back and I walked off, right? Very happy. Way to go, Aaron. Great checking in. And so I walked off, right? And he kind of like shook when I hit him on the back. And, but he had just been immersed in my hug. And, and Jake was there, and they were still talking when I left. And so a few minutes passed, and all of a sudden, Jake meanders over. He walks over to me. He goes, hey, Dad, just want to um, tell you something. I said, what? He goes, that wasn't Aaron. That wasn't Aaron. Who was that? That wasn't Aaron? He goes, yeah, the guy afterwards said, who are you guys? Right? Like, I mean, I literally smothered him. I mean, I went behind him. I was like, yeah, Aaron, right? Yeah. He didn't know what hit him. Right? He, got, he got Christmas hugs and blessings. And, and he was like, he was almost traumatized. I think he was traumatized. I mean, imagine that happening to you. These guys out of nowhere start calling you Aaron and then just start hugging you and banging you. And, and I go, who is he? He goes, I don't know. I don't know the guy. You guy didn't know. I don't know him. I said, you got to be kidding me, right? So the moral of that story is make sure you know who you're hugging, all right? Make sure it's the one you're looking for. 
<laughs> so we had a great time. We laughed. I mean, I, every time I was thinking about it all week, I was just laughing. I was saying, man, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but I felt sorry for that guy. I, I, I tried to go up to him. I felt embarrassed. I said, sorry about that, man. I just sorry about that, uh, you know. It's all good. It's all good. We're buddies. <laughs> We're buddies. All right, now I'm going to talk about this passage. Here we go. There's a connection here. Somewhere in there, we'll find it. All right. Now, we're going to go back into the, into the uh, account of the birth of Jesus. But really, I want to talk about when he was named, when he was given his name formally in Jewish culture and tradition. There was a way to do this. And then, as we read what we're about to read, I realize not everybody has a familiarity with some of the things that are going to be presented in this little piece. It, it can almost seem like it, it's unrelatable to what we experience. And if you do not have a grasp of the Older Testament, some of the things that often are stated in the New Testament don't always make sense. One of the reasons I encourage new believers, especially our younger leaders or anyone who's serious about following Jesus, to think of the Bible as a whole, not just as a New Testament, but as an Older Testament that points to Jesus and the New Testament that builds off of that. In a sense, they both point towards the cross. They're interconnected, intertwined. They may be different in the way God deals with the human race, but to have a full appreciation for the New Testament and the life of Christ and the things that are being taught in the scriptures uh, for the early church, it is enormously valuable to have an ongoing, growing understanding of the Older Testament as well because it illuminates a lot of things and it brings color and depth to them. This is an example of that. Uh, we're talking about intertwined in this passage are traditions that were embedded in the, both in the Abrahamic covenant, that is the, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham when Abraham followed him by faith, believed God and moved out when he had no real reason to do it beyond just that word. He becomes the father of the faithful. And then Moses, who was the ultimate deliverer of Israel, or at least the one who delivered Israel out of their Egyptian bondage. The law of Moses uh, is a lot of the groundwork for the New Testament, and oftentimes Jesus refers to it. Okay, I don't want to say too much more about that, except that what we're about to read, the reason it's going to come up is because some of these traditions and customs are embedded in the Older Testament. So let's look at verse 21. You've got it in your hand out there. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, that he was named Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus and his birth, the one. That was the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Now, again, Jesus was named uh, before he was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. His name is significant. It wasn't just any name. Jesus is not just any name. Now, it has a meaning now, obviously, that is different than it would have been if he had never come into this world. Uh, the name itself, we say Jesus. That's the anglicized version of a Greek word that is a transliteration of a Jewish word. Yeshua, Yeshua, God saves, God is our savior. That's what it means. And when you, when you think of it that way, you realize that there were also other people who were named that. But no one had ever been born, this is what the Bible teaches us, no one had ever been born or ever will be born that fulfills that name more than Jesus. He is the embodiment of that name, God saves. And when we're here at Christmas time, that's one of the things we're celebrating is the birth of a savior, both in terms of where we're going, ultimately beyond this life, but also in terms of what God is wanting to do in our lives and around our lives. 
It says in verse 22, now it shifts here from the naming of Jesus at the time of his circumcision to what is known as the presentation of Jesus or the dedication of Jesus in the temple, in church. We would call this a dedication ceremony. It also involves another component. Just stick with me. In the Older Testament, and again, in Jewish culture, it would have been understood based on the Leviticus teaching a woman, after she had a, a child, would wait about 40 days before she would come into the temple or engage in religious activity. It was a purification ritual. So there's two things going on. Mary is coming to the temple to complete the purification time, after her time of purification has come to a close. And they are coming to dedicate Jesus unto the Lord, as would be the custom of their people based on the scriptures. So it says in verse 22, then it was time for their purification offering. Now when they came for the, to, when that time came, they would bring an offering. And um, it, it was said here that it was required by the law of Moses at the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. We would say they took him to church to dedicate him. The law of the Lord says, verse 23, that if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Now since the days of the Exodus, when Israel was delivered out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And when he saved Israel's firstborn males with what was known as the Passover, his death passed over because of the blood that was on the doorposts, which, can we, on the, on the wood, I mean, can we see the, the blood of a lamb? Can we see the foreshadow of Jesus there? Is that amazing or what? And it was understood that since that time that firstborn males were to be holy, um, set apart to the Lord, and it was also understood as part of that ceremony that they were to redeem their son. That is, they were dedicated to the Lord and then they were to redeem him by buying back, by giving an offering. Now, if you were wealthy, you would bring a lamb or if you could afford it. If you were poor, you could, you could use something else. You could bring, uh, if you were less able, let's put it that way, you could use a pigeon or a, a turtle dove. And that was to offer thanksgiving to the Lord for his mercy and, and, you know, for bringing you through the pain of childbearing. So in that sense, there was an accommodation based on what you could afford. That was one of the two offerings that you were meant to bring when you came to the service. The other offering was what was known as a sin offering, which according to Leviticus was to be made for the wealthy and the poor at the same level. Because at the, at, at the foot of God, if you will, we're all on equal footing when it comes to mercy. So in verse 24, it says, just stay with me, they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Again, the clause, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. What is implicit here is that they were, they were poor, at least not wealthy enough to afford the lamb. So they didn't, they didn't have a lot of money. The king was not born into wealth, but they had a lot of love for God. And they were attentive to details. They were devout. They were simple. They were righteous. So this is what we're being told is happening. They're in the temple. And at that time, we're told there's a secondary story that's going on, like a parallel track, that, that there's an intersection that's about to take place. You've got Mary and Joseph who've got their own thing with God that's going on, which is mysterious, remarkable, hard to believe. Joseph, in a sense, is, is functioning as a caretaker and a stepfather behind the scenes, if you will, designed to accommodate and support something that he himself would have never believed possible. 
God's working through a young woman named Mary. She herself has only just said, I am open to you, God. There's this incredible thing going on. But now they're following through to dedicate Jesus, the baby Jesus, to present him in the temple. As they're doing that, there's another man that's, that we're told about. His name is Simeon. Now, Simeon all of a sudden is going to intersect with them in the temple. He is a man who the Bible tells us has been praying. And he's, he's a, a man who loves God. And he's been seeking God for a number of years. And he has been given an impression that he will not die until he has had a chance to see the one he's been looking for, the Messiah. We're told about it here, verse 25 and 26. You can see it there, that passage. At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then it says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. Now, I read this, you read this, and we go, wow, you know, it, that... You can read, you read something like that, you read a phrase like that, that day the Spirit led him into the temple. The Bible says things like this so matter-of-factly that it can either catch us off guard, like what does that mean? Or we can just walk past it real fast without much notice. But the fact, what is being implied here is that he had this impression, this deep spiritual conviction, and it was accurate, that the Lord would keep him alive until he had a chance to actually see Messiah with his own eyes. And then that day the Spirit led him, which also carries this idea of prompting. What are we going to do with that? In my mind, embrace it with, with humility, knowing that God can lead us and at times reveal things to us in the ordinariness of our lives. That there are going to be moments, if we walk with Jesus, where God will set up divine appointments. We'll come out of that conversation knowing that we just touched something sacred and holy we didn't even plan on. That there are times where the Lord will put something into our heart, a word, a thought, um, a desire to talk with someone that is more than just kind of our idea. That there are times where if the Lord is being welcomed into our lives, that we will experience things that we must, we must sometimes we will shake our head and say, what did God just do? And some of us, we need to be, be careful, I understand, about over-spiritualizing things. But some of us, listen to me. We, we can, because we live in such a safe, sane, kind of rational culture, it's prosperous relative to the rest of the world, at least the majority of it. But a lot of times our first inclination is to suspect things. And therefore what we begin to do is we begin to, we begin to live our lives with, with a certain kind of reluctance to think that God might at times prompt things in our own hearts or put a thought in our mind that we're to respond to. I think for a majority of us, we need to be far more open, listen, to the prompting of the Lord. I'm not talking about crazy things. I am talking about saying, Lord, I know you speak. I know there are times where your spirit wants to move me to either pray for someone, have a conversation with someone, to take something in your word that is speaking and to claim it as my own. I think there are times, Lord, when you make a promise that maybe that promise is for me to hold on to. Just like Simeon had been given a promise. Now, people could judge that promise. He didn't tell everybody about it. But it was a unique promise. But God gave it to him, and he held it. And eventually, that promise was fulfilled. There are times where God will give you and me words in our lives, and he wants us to hold on to those promises. He wants those words to have a preeminence in our life. And there are times where his spirit wants to lead us into places because I believe in the spirit of God's reality. I believe God moves. God still speaks. God leads. 
Again, we're not talking about stuff that's crazy or way, way out there, but we are talking about sometimes things that we would not normally be opening ourselves up to. Maybe sometimes God will prompt us to want to respond in a way of giving something or blessing in some way that is so out of the norm for us, but we are trying to respond to a prompting we feel in the Spirit or to communicate a word that we would have not, not communicated, but we feel that the Lord is trying to get us to move somewhere. And the value of having an ongoing, growing relationship with the Lord is that it leaves room, not just for something that happened a long time ago that I can learn about, but it allows for things to happen in our life today. Things that God wants to do in us, through us, and around us. That's a big part of this. Look what happens. It says here, it says that, so Mary, here's the last, we'll finish with this from the passage. So Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required the law of Moses. Simeon was there and he, he finds his way to them. And you can see the picture in the temple, in the Lord's house. He, he's coming in and he makes his way and he says, can I hold your baby? And I don't know how he said it. I don't know what he looked like. We don't even know how old he is. People say, like to think he was older. But it's, we do know this, he took the child in his arms. And I'm, I, in my mind, I imagine him just lifting that child up and beginning to praise God. I thank you, God. I praise you, God. This promise, this child, this is the fulfillment of what you say. I mean, I see that right there. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm holding, I'm holding your salvation in my hands. Wow. He is a light. I tell you, he is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. And it says, what does it say? Jesus is, they were amazed. Look what it says. It says they were amazed at what was being said about him. Okay. I want to interact with that. Before we head out of this service, before we head out into the rest of our week, I would like us to create some room here to think and open up our hearts. Some of us are note takers. I try to keep them simple just because they give us access points and you can build around them. Here's the first thing I want to suggest around this passage for where we're heading in this coming week or two. And it goes all the way back to that opening story. Those who look for Jesus will find him. Simeon was waiting with an active eye. You know, just because something's in front of us doesn't mean we'll see it. Just because something is passing by doesn't mean we notice it. I mean, there are times where you can just sit somewhere and people watch. I hear this. It could be strange, Pastor, if you're saying that people just sitting on Yeah, I know, but I mean, you know, just kind of hanging out, just kind of watching people go by, watching life pass by. You might notice things you didn't notice before. Sometimes you find yourself somewhere, and all of a sudden you, you're in the middle of somewhere. It could be in the middle of a department store. All of a sudden you start, it's like, wow, what's, just stuff's happened to me. You start looking at something different. It's interesting. You might even look, maybe sometimes interactions with family You've done all the time, all the way, same way, every time. It's like you almost like pause and pull outside of it for a moment. And just kind of, let me take in what's really happening here. That's a different way of seeing something. Oh, have any of you guys ever seen, if you, if you I know if you YouTube it, it'll come up. 
It's, uh, I think it comes up under the, the dancing bear awareness test. Have you ever seen that? Some of you are going, yeah, some of you are saying, no. What is that? Sounds strange. I don't, I'll tell you what it is. I went and re-looked at it because I, I was going, ah, oh, yeah, I've seen what you're looking for. I went and looked at it. Don't do it now. I went and looked at it, and, <laughs> and if you go, you'll see that there's this, they start by saying, there's this man that says, um, you know, there's eight guys. This is an awareness test. And there are eight guys, four, they have a basketball. Four of them are in white, and then four of them are in black. They're lined up. And then the basketball says, can you count, this is an awareness test, can you count the number of passes that are being made by the team in white? So I'm zeroing in on the white team, right? Okay, because then it's like all of a sudden they start moving. They start moving around, doing, yeah, and so you're, you're trying to follow. I'm, I've got my eyes peeled on one, two, three. I'm starting to count the number of passes with the white, the white team. I don't care about the black team. They're only asking me about the white team. So I, in my hand, I go, I think I know. So he comes in. How many passes were made by the team in white? All right? And then I'm thinking, I know that number. Right? And then they go, the number is 13. I go, yes, 13. I got it easy. Did you notice the dancing moonwalking bear that passed by while that, while that was happening? I was going, what bear? I didn't see any bear. The one in black. So then all of a sudden it goes, rewinds. Shows you again, look for the dancing bear, right? All of a sudden, I'm looking, and in black, while the, I was counting the passes on the white team, one, two, three, all of a sudden, they're right. In the middle of the passing, and all these guys moving around, there's this bear dressed in black, kind of looks like one of the guy, black guy, black, you know, uh, clothed players who's been passing. All of a sudden, he's dancing, and he gets to the middle, and then that bear starts going like this in the middle of it, and then the bear starts going like this. Moo walks out of the picture. I'm going, how did I miss it? I go, I know. They tricked me, right? They made, him, they made him look like one of the, but you know what? You miss what you're not looking for. I missed it because I, I wasn't aware. I was so focused in on counting the passes on the team that was dressed in white that I missed the moonwalking bear passing through the screen. What we're not looking for, we miss. We miss it. Sometimes just because we're not looking. And I think a lot of us miss things. Moments, little blessings, subtle details. Because we're not looking for them. It's especially true when we're preoccupied with stuff. On our mind, issues, agendas, we're busy. Or like in that wonderful story in Luke 10 when Jesus is interacting with Martha and Mary, and he says to Martha, who's so busy, I mean, she's the, she's the Christmas mom. Right? She's, she's going to make the best meal experience Jesus ever had in the whole world because she loves him and is his friend. And she translates love as service. And so she goes at it. And somewhere along the way, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're so busy. But Mary, your sister, in this moment, and there's a whole interaction, I'm not going to go into the detail, but it's just basically, Mary's, Mary's making time to listen to me. And you're very busy because you love me, but I need you to slow down a little bit and do what is the better thing in this moment. And I think there are times when the Lord wants us to, to listen and learn. And this Lord is not against service. 
or activity on his behalf, certainly not. He, doesn't, he just doesn't want us to miss things in the end that are more important, that are the most meaningful things. And I, I have to really ask that question. Does that resonate with any of us? Because it has huge relational implications. Sometimes, for example, in our quest to provide for the people we love, we can override the most important contributions that God really wants us to make. I'm going to get this for them. So we can get this kind of a house. We, but we can miss stuff in our drivenness. What about the spirit? What about character? What about tender love and attentiveness? What about presence? Where does that show up? We're never going to get that perfect. Sometimes in our quest to serve, we can swerve off track and forget to connect to the why. This can happen for those of us who are in ministry all the time. We're doing, this is going to happen to me this week. We serve, serve in the name of the Lord, serve in the name of the Lord, but forget the why. Every time I try to gather with the teams, I try to remind them and indirectly myself, why are we doing this? Why do we have church? Why are we trying to be a presence and, a, and some type of a grace witness for Jesus? Why are we trying to put a, sing a song in his name? What is it we're trying to do? Why? We, we sometimes we have to ask ourselves, why? Sometimes in our desire to achieve, here, I'm talking about relationships, sometimes in our desire to achieve or to see others achieve, maybe our children, we can fail to see the critical subtleties that are yearning to be noticed. And they can have the great education and they can be missing Jesus. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. They can play on the best traveling soccer team and miss Jesus. Here's the problem. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves not treasures on this earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves can break in and steal, but lay for yourself treasures in heaven where it cannot be taken from you. If you have to put the accent, what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world, but they lose their soul? I tell you, Jesus said, be rich towards God. Where's the accent supposed to go? It's not that the other things are not good or important. It's that there is a most important. Seek first the kingdom of God, the loving realm of Jesus in our lives, and all these other things shall be added unto you. They'll slot into place. Living with discernment is an art, it's a discipline, it's a product of intention. We don't get it right. But here's, okay, what is true of human relationships is really true with God. Our relationship with the Lord. You know what? Simeon saw Jesus because he was looking for him. I mean, really looking for him. He was more than open. He was actively open. That's different. And again, we usually notice what we are looking for actively, not passively. What Simeon was actively open. Some people say, oh, I'm open to God. There's a difference between saying, I'm open to God. Oh, yeah, I'm open. That's different than saying, I'm seeking God, and I'm really opening my heart up to looking for him. That is a very different position. If he wants to visit me, he's welcome. Well, thank you. I'm sure God really appreciates the graciousness of your willingness 
to make space if he is inclined to operate on your schedule to meet you where you want in the way that he wants. And you know what? Sometimes God does that anyway. But I think a lot of times, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to sound sarcastic. I, I hope I didn't come out that way. What I am trying to say is that if you seek me, you will find me. If you truly ask, it will be given. If you knock, the door will be open. That's degrees of pursuit. And <laughs> hear me out. It's possible to celebrate Christmas and miss the Christ of Christmas. We can move through this Christmas season and miss Jesus moving in us. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So what does it look like to be actively open? I do think it means slowing down a little bit. I think it means getting to the temple, the Lord's house, like Simeon did, where God is worshipped and what you're doing right now. And his words are proclaimed and his songs are sung and, and joy, we hope, in our hearts. I think it means being sensitive to the Spirit's directives and impressions. And So I'm talking about positioning and preparing. We're talking about waiting and we're talking about listening and watching and looking. We're talking about a way that we're going to think about this week. Here, okay, here's the thing. And I'll just put it. This is a second piece. Just quick. All right. We're to personally and joyfully embrace Jesus. Say with, he took Jesus in his arms and blessed God. And let me share a kind of Christian paradox if I can do it. But if we are to be held in his arms, then there is a sense that we must hold him in our arms. If I want him to hold me in his, there's a sense that I have to hold him in mine. It's like we're invited to embrace him humbly in his humility. Someone said that it, to love God our Father is to embrace His only begotten Son, new, and to embrace His only begotten Son is to embrace the Christ child. It brings us down. And what does it mean to embrace but to touch, to put our arms around uh, another person? Like what I did with that guy who I don't even know who he was, the guy I thought was Aaron, but I just hugged him, right? I put my, I embraced him. I welcomed him in. I said, you, I, <laughs> when we embrace someone, we're saying, uh, you're, you're welcome to me. I'm not afraid of you, right? I think the Lord wants us to embrace him. It's an opportunity to embrace him. How can we do this? I, okay, one of the underestimated blessing opportunities of Christmas is singing. Even if you don't sing great. Sing. What are you talking about? Is there ever a time in the year where songs are being sung about Jesus left and right by all kinds of people, some of whom have no idea who he is really or what, but they're just, that's you can be walking through a store and all of a sudden the song is speaking about Jesus, the born to us this day, oh little town of the king is, it's just everywhere. Hark the herald angels, glory to the newborn, everywhere. Sing, you know what? Sing. Get a song in our heart. When the time comes to sing the carols and the hymns, sing them. Welcome in the song of the season. Let our heart, let us next, next week just be open to singing songs. When we get to that, you know, candlelight service, if we're able to make it or watch it online, like a lot of people are going to be doing it in different places, you know, sing, sing. 
online. You know, just be a part of that. L Lord, open my heart. I mean, let me just think. It's a time for singing. It's a time for celebrating. It's a time for serving. It's a time for giving. It's a time for forgiving. If we've got things in our heart that we're not letting go of and they're not letting go of us, say, Lord, you've come to me as a gift I could never deserve. I, help me to let go of stuff I don't even need to hold on to anyway. Truthfully, let your peace come to me. Don't let this garbage dominate my life. Set me free. Prince of Peace, come. Help me, Lord, not to get stuck in this place, but to get free in the way that you want me to be free. Oh, Redeemer, redeem me. Oh, Christ who was born, come to me again today, this day. Be fresh in my life. This week, Lord, I invite you. I want to sing your songs. I want to be a giving person. I want to serve. I want to be a peacemaker, not an agitator. I don't need to fight. I, you know, I want to walk in your ways. So here's the thing. Thirdly, number three. We would do well to pause long enough to let our eyes see the salvation. I won't go along on this except to say, you know, you look at the nativity scenes, you'll see this, um, usually you'll see a manger. And Jesus is in the manger, baby Jesus. But in the wood, here's what I always try to remind myself. Every time I see the manger in wood, I remind myself to remember that the cross is in the wood of that manger. That the, that the wood of that manger reminds me of the cross that Jesus would hang on because he loves us, because God loves us. That he came to give his life away, that we might have life. That he was born. The season's purpose is to celebrate the one who was born to give his life away. Someone said to live a life that we could never live, you know, to die for us, a death that I don't even forget how he said it, the idea being that, 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 for us, that for us in our place, right, to die for us, to give his life away for us, right, so that we don't have to die ourselves. He dies the death for us, if you will. Ah, what a blessing that is. Okay, we'll, we'll leave it here. This is my final of the final. We're to anticipate new beginning and fresh opportunity. I have a motive. It's to get everybody thinking towards a direction that gets our hearts ready to celebrate not only the gift of Jesus' coming that we are marking with people, millions of people all over the world turning their heart in a tender way to acknowledge the birth of Jesus but also to use the momentum of that, of this week, that we are going to intentionally, if we're doing this right, enter into. Then to use that as a catapult into the new year. The timing of the way, when we celebrate Jesus' birth, to me, is a great gift. I always love it. Because we get to celebrate the new thing that God has done the change that has come into this world and all that it means. And then after we do that, if we choose to do it right, we're making room. And when we get to Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we've made a point. Lord, I've prepared myself this week. I've made room for you. I'm honoring you. I'm creating space for you. I'm acknowledging who you are. I'm not just moving through this thing. I'm really trying to create something to celebrate the Christ who has been born. And all that that means for, for my life, for the life of the people that I love. Lord, help me to be a light even as you have been a light. I'm thinking that way. And then all of a sudden, from that, 
I'm thinking out of that moment, we fly into one week before the new year. And the new year feels like a new opportunity. And that space in between the new year is a great time to say, Lord, remind me of what's most important. Get me moving in a right direction, thinking about the right things. Position me through this winter, right, to get ready for the new things that you want to do in my life or the things that you want to create. Remember, we're going to, now we're going to spend a lot of time in the first couple of months of the year talking about the ad adversity, but really we're talking about limitation, weakness, disappointment, and how there is opportunities that God can bring out of those places of brokenness and suffering. But what is the opportunity, right? What is the opportunity? I, how are we to embrace, the, in, in light of our Savior, this gift of the new year? What is, this, what is the Spirit whispering to us? What promise am I to hold on to? How am I even taking time to make room for it? Am I thinking? What is he wanting us to, 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 to pursue, to, to yield, to wrestle with, to strengthen? What is he trying to say? Are there adjustments God's trying to get us to make heading into this new year in light of the coming Christ and all that that means? What is it, what is it the Lord's trying to do? That's what I want to get at. Now, when we close the service, we're going to have our time of giving, and then that song that we close with, it's, it's as if it's a prayer for us. And the way I would like us to think about that final song is as if we're just taking some of what we've talked about, and I'm going to pray into it. And we're letting it just settle in, into our spirit. And then we're saying, Lord, and I'm, I'm asking you, don't just, please, I'll pray it, I'll pray it. Lord, I ask that you would help us not to be like the, the man or the woman in the book of James who looks into the mirror, sees something we want to adjust or correct, but then walks away and does nothing about it. I ask that in small ways, but meaningful ways, perhaps it's just by carving time early in the day, having some devotional time, having some time to read a passage, pick up something, maybe a daily bread, just to read it through, a devotional, a thought, a story, 15 minutes of prayer, just making room for you. It might be more, but at least it's good to be doing this, to look at your birth story again in the Gospels, to do something, Lord, that would remind us to stay anchored in the meaning of what we're moving into so we don't get lost in, the, in all the voices, in all the activity that the Christ of Christmas would have place and room in our lives so that we get to that moment when we celebrate it, we can do it. And then out of that, Lord, move us into this new year. And then as we end this service, let us just let, let your word settle into our hearts. Let us not just race away and then forget about it, but throughout the week in different ways, choose to access you. When we hear those carols, not the ones about Rudolph, but the other ones, Lord, that help us to, to sing them and to make room for them. So right now, I just ask that. Bless our time of giving and let this song that we close with be our prayer into our spirits, out of, our, out of us, into others. Tender hearts, room for you. Thoughts directed your way. Love of God ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, Lord. Amen. Thank you.